Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's easy to say it's just another week in the absurdly hectic life of Ruby Walsh, but neither you nor he would believe it for a second. Even with 56 Cheltenham wins, which puts him a whopping 22 winners ahead of Barry Garrity as the winningest festival jockey, being led into that victory parade ring never gets old. Before he headed to the Cotswolds yesterday, I caught up with our racing columnist to chat everything from Cheltenham nerves to the characters and the personalities in the way room to the dog's abuse he has to take after crashing off his mount at 35 miles an hour. As usual, Ruby Walsh proved great value. Ruby Walsh, nerves in sport. Some people say a great thing, pre-game, gets you up to a certain pitch. How are you nerves-wise? I mean, you're there a long time. You're the winningest jockey ever at the festival. Do you suffer from them? Do you use them? How do you manage with nerves? Oh, I get them. Um, and I think when you stop getting them, it doesn't mean anything to you. That'll be time to be not there. Um, but I think if... But if there's something you're looking forward to, anything in life that you're looking forward to, it makes you nervous, it makes you anxious. Um, and, and anything in life that has you under a bit of pressure also makes you nervous. But I think the nerves I would have with, with Cheltenham is, is the looking forward. It's not the, oh, what if this goes wrong, or what if that goes wrong, or um, if this is a failure. I don't look at it ever that way. The nerves are, are excitement, it's anticipation, it's... Will this ever come? Um, so yeah, you use them in the right way, but um, and I don't know what way it is for for footballers or or anybody else. When do nerves go? But I know as a jockey, once you get on the horse in the ring and you're up on that horse and it's just you and the horse, the nerves are gone. It just it's a totally different emotion. Then. And is that is that nerves? that dissipates uh, the first time you get on a horse is that just the first ride of the festival on the Tuesday or does that carry through the week in other words do the nerves ease Wednesday, Thursday, Friday uh, no um, definitely they might ease from one race to the next you could be going out on one that you're really looking forward to riding and you go out on the next one and you're thinking oh, I don't really fancy this anyway mm. there mightn't be as many nerves but uh, no they stay through the week um, and I always think that the sign of that is like that on Friday evening, no matter what kind of a week you've had, you just seem to be wrecked. Emotionally Yeah, you drained. just seem to be drained, yeah. Mm. So the, for me, that means the nerves are the nerves are on the whole time. Yeah. You know the old saying to Ruby about, you know, if I knew then what I know now. You know, what are the things from your earlier career at Cheltenham that you'd actually love to be able to reach back and use in 2019? Um... I, I, do, I don't know to tell you the truth. Um, Were you impetuous? What's impetuous mean? 
Were you impetuous in the saddle? Did you maybe panic at certain moments when you look back afterwards? And yeah, that's hindsight, though. That you yeah. you move too soon, or yeah, you delayed. You should have delayed your run, or but you can still do that. That's that's hindsight. That's that's not learning from experience. Um, I think expectations. I think as a younger jockey, um, having rode a winner there when I was sort of eighteen on Alexander Banquet and going back the following year to ride him in a novice hurdle, my expectations were higher. Um, I expected this horse to have a great chance and nearly win, and he didn't. So I suppose Cheltenham taught me. I learned then that it's hard to win there. Um, so never to go with your expectations too high. Mm. To go and, and appreciate whatever success you have, but to keep your expectations in check. That's probably why I learned most. Unlike other sports, does a jockey, well probably golf being the other one, does a jockey get better with age? Oh yeah. Um, definitely, with experience. Um course you get better you get tactically more aware um you've loads of experience to call on situations you've been in before uh you know different nuances of the track um you know if the way races can be run of speed of tempo when they're going too fast when they're going too slow when somebody is making a run too early mm-hmm. yeah with experience you can improve as a jockey no doubt mm. just simple things that the ordinary uh, you know sporting person wouldn't think of in terms of the hard ground, uh, in terms of what we've been dealing with, and that, does that actually alter even your preparations? Does it change how you operate on the gallops, or is it a horse-to-horse thing? No, the gallops are, are artificial anyway. They're all weather, yeah. so they can be rotivated or harrowed or rolled. You can make them as fast as you want or as slow as you want. Um, but definitely the ground on the racecourses this winter being so dry, it has changed the makeup of races. Um, it's changed the way races have been run. They run at a much higher speed, a much higher tempo. Um, you know, and obviously falling on faster ground is much harder. It's, mm. it, it's you know you're going faster, and um, it's not so much the fall; it's a sudden stop. But if you're suddenly stopping from thirty-five miles an hour instead of twenty-five miles an hour, um, the impact is greater. Mm. Um, so yeah, the, ra- the, the the races this winter have been run. You know, on quicker grounds that have been run way faster. Um, you know, and that could be a plus or a minus come Cheltenham time. Cheltenham, the races are always run mm. at a pretty high level, at a, you know, strong gallops, fast pace all the way. Um, so, yeah, horses might be more used to it this year, but, um, you know, Cheltenham are forecast plenty of rain and they'll water the ground and they'll want to keep it on the slow side um, for safety. So, um, you could get caught out having been riding on quick ground, going back onto slow ground. Mm. The risk is you'll go too fast. Yeah, I, I'm intrigued again going back to the weigh room. I'm, I'm intrigued by the whole chemistry and the dynamic between the jockeys because I'm imagining at this stage um, with your reputation, with your experience, with your success at Cheltenham, A, do you actually have your designated slot? Yeah, he's sitting in the one spot, yeah. Um, and is that, is that because it's yours or because nobody else would dare sit in it? That's where the valet will hang my gear. Um, right. I suppose traditionally in a wear room, um, the first, the number one peg is usually the oldest guy, and it's usually closest to the door as well. <laughs> um, but uh, symbolically, yeah, yeah, symbolically, yeah, uh, and you move up along until you end up at the door, and then it's time to go out, uh, basically. Um, but no, I've sat in the one pitch in Cheltenham for a long time. Barry Garrity sits to my left. Uh, Robert Powers next to him. 
I say Roberts between me and Barry. Um, it used to be Paul Carberry beside him, but that's now Paul Townend. Mm-hmm. You know, Chuck Thornton used to sit opposite me. Um, so you could actually close your eyes, Ruby, and you could actually see where everybody actually is now every week in the or every year in the. I could, yeah. Uh, yeah, if you're looking for someone, you'd know where they'd be. Well, do you look for somebody? That's an, uh, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, are you the chatty type, or are I won't say you're the grumpy type, but are you the quiet? I want to keep to myself and I have a head in me that says don't come over talking to me probably um, you tend to talk to the guys that are sitting around you anyway and they tend to be the same generation as you yeah. um, you know so the younger lads would be further away and yeah, I don't know we were all colleagues but we're competitors um, you get on we have a huge respect for each other we don't all get on with each other but mm. we have respect for each other Um you know, and that's the kind of environment that it is. You'd have valets floating in and out then and stewards and uh, different things. But, yeah, it's a busy enough place to wear them. The whole notion at the moment, there's a, a coaching kind of phenomenon going on at the moment, which is about uh, dealing with the mille- millennials, the lads that are 19, 20, 21, 22. You're 40 now, or you nearly are 40. Am I giving you... 39, yeah, nearly Yeah, you're 40, 40 I think, in May. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you look around, you know, do you kind of think to yourself, okay, I can see what he has, I can see what he's bringing to the table, I'm going to cut that guy some slack because I was a bit like that myself? No. Uh, unfortunately, as a child, not unfortunately, the reality is that whether you're 18 or 38, you're in a man's world, you're competing against me. When I walked in at 18, I had to compete against guys that were in their late 30s. You don't get treated like a teenager because you just still are. It's tough. You have to be an adult. You left school. You walked in here. You're now an adult. There is no time to grow up and deal with your teenage years. You are now a man and you have to behave like one. And that's the way I treat them. And if they can't hack it, tough. But that's the way the world is. Because I'd imagine, Ruby, the toughest part of hacking it, as you say, for a young lad like that is... The races come around every 35 or 40 minutes. You have a nightmare in race one. It must be quite difficult to get your head back in gear for the second race. Yeah, but that's that's part of being a jockey. That's what you have to do. Um, if you walk out playing number 10 for Ireland and you're 19 years of age and you missed the first penalty, that's missed. You now have to go and kick the second one. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with a jockey. You give one a stinking ride. You have to pull yourself together. That's the past. You can't look back at that. The only thing you can now affect is the future. Mm. And that's the way you have to think. And I'm not going to go over and put my arm around an 18-year-old and tell him it'll be all right and he come and beat me in the next race. Mm. That's for him to figure out for himself. But um, you have to man up as a jockey. You can't sit in the corner and have shed a little tear because you gave one a bad ride in the first. That's over. There's yeah. no one going to give you a hug and tell you don't worry about it. Yeah, well, I guess one of the differences, though, in your profession is if you're a footballer or you're that number 10 um, and you're probably answerable to your colleagues in that moment. But when you get off a horse, Ruby, in the parade ring, and things haven't gone as you were hoping they go to, I mean, are you answerable to a line of people, almost like the trainer first, and then the How does that dynamic work? Yeah, probably answer to the two, but two of them at the one time. Um, the owner, at the end of the day, is paying fee, and the trainer is probably employed to ride the horse. Um, but I have always found the easiest way to deal with giving one a bad ride is to come in and say sorry you mm. very unlikely have done it on purpose you've more than likely made a mistake no one sets out to do wrong 
give a horse a bad ride. No. It's an error you've made. Or, or as you've often said, fall off a horse at 35 miles an hour. Yeah, you know what I mean? So it's a mistake you've made. So if you come back in and are man enough or woman enough to jump down and say, I'm sorry, I made a this, that and the other, that race. I should have done X, I should have done Y and apologise. Mm. Most people will forgive you. It's when you come back in and try and make excuses for what happened. Blame the horse every and time. Blame the horse and blame the ground and blame the track and blame the opposition and blame everybody else. No one give you any slack then. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's the way that the world has gone a little bit. People are afraid to take the blame. You come in, take the blame. You made a mistake, take the blame. You'd be surprised how forgiving people can be. Yeah, because I always thought like that the relationship, I understood the relationship between the jockey and the trainer because you're dealing with each other five, six days a week anyway yeah. and you have plenty of converse back and forth. But I would have thought maybe that the relationship with the owner was more like a football club where maybe the manager didn't deal directly with Roman Abramovich at Chelsea. Would you be actually getting phone calls from the owners who, as you say, are paying the bucks? Like? Yeah, I know. They would call you sporadically. Um, but no, they, they, at the end of the day, they gave their horse to the trainer to train. They didn't give it to the jockey. Mm. And the trainer then employed the jockey to ride it. No, the owner may ring you for your opinion or ask you why you did something. But... Um, no, you would deal more with trainers than you would jockeys, which is like a player dealing with a manager rather than the club owner. But um, no, you would have to deal with owners. And as I said to you, I mean, if you can just be grown up enough to admit when you're wrong and accept the blame. I always think, obviously, racing being an individual sport to some degree, like golf and stuff like there has to be an element of selfishness by you. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. But... You've a huge relationship, obviously, with Willie Mullins that has been, you know, fired by many, many years of success at the Gold Cup in 2019. And you know, and I both know, you've less Cheltenham's ahead of you than you have behind you. Would you like to actually say to yourself, there's just an extra 5% of me here wants to do this for Willie? No, because I think you're not giving 100% your goose anyway. Yeah, if you gave me the option going to Cheltenham next week and said I can win one race and that race at the end of the week is the Gold Cup. But that's it. You can pick one. Yeah, of course I would pick it to be the Gold Cup. Mm. But I will go there to give 100% on every horse I'm riding. Um, I won't give a little extra because that's the one I want. Every race will get the same care and attention. Um, But look, I suppose being selfish, you're selfish like any other sports person is selfish in that it's about you and the team you're playing for or the commitments you have. Mm-hmm. It's probably the life around you that suffers more than anything else. I mean, it's it's my way. We don't go out on a Saturday night because there's racing on a Sunday. Yeah. yeah, if we're going out, it's in the middle of the week, whether it suits anybody else or not. That's what suits me. So that's where our sports people are selfish. There's been 11 runnings of the Mayor's Hurdle. Willie has won the race nine times and you've won it eight, which is some record. Should have been nine. Last year's winner, Benny Dejeu. I hate getting into this phraseology about bankers and stuff, and I know you do too, because there's no such thing. But for a punter, that's good value in Cheltenham Week? I think she is. I think she's probably my... No, she is my best rider of the week. Um, you know, and Willie's on the record as saying that you know, maybe we're not as strong this year as we were other years. Um, we don't have as many favourites. She is a favourite. She's a deserving favourite. Um, and she'll take all the beating. Um, she's, her work at home has been has been really good for a good while now. Um, we haven't been able to get a run into her because of the ground. But that didn't bother Quivega on five occasions. So I can't see why it'll bother Benny, did you? Well, is Quivega um, a freak? 
almost or is that something that can be done more no, than the ones some people can do it uh, Willie has done it uh, several times uh, he's well able to have a horse ready first time up um, she's in great order and I'll be looking forward to riding her yeah because it's interesting you did make that point there about Willie saying that maybe the team isn't as strong as this year but he might be stronger in the handicaps than previous years so apart from Benny is there any other one who we know at this stage you're going to be on is going to go to Cheltenham obviously fitness permitting and is worth keeping an eye on handicaps are you know are, are bookmakers that's where they make the money mm. because you're leveling up the weights trying to give every horse an equal chance so I can fancy one in a handicap but you can be full sure that there's six red other people in that race who think they're well handicapped as well um, you know to me if you're to give winners or to you try and give people that avi- advice the best way to do so is in the conditions races mm. where one can be better than the rest in a handicap they're all supposed to have been given an equal chance so we have a couple of horses that you would think look reasonably well treated um, like like up for review in the ultimate handicap chase uh, maybe live love laugh in the Kim Muir uh, Eura Dell in either the Coral Cup or the Martin Pipe maybe La Saralita in the Fred Winter Mr. Adjudicator or Whiskey Sour in the County Hurdle would be some of the horses and Cut the Mustard she's in there as well would be some of the horses you might think are reasonably well treated but there'll be a lot of opposition in the race thinking that they have a few pounds in hand as well mm. I don't know is every jockey the same Ruby I mean I know you know a long time and I remember you even telling me once in actual fact I think I might have been in your company once when Sir Alex Ferguson gave you a call and he said you know what do you fancy of this how this how will this go and you were even, I remember, non-committal in that conversation. I was thinking to myself, he'd surely want to give a heads up to someone like Sir Alex Ferguson. But you, 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 you actually abhor that, don't you? It's the one probably thing you hate getting asked. Or if you do at this stage, it you is because it I, I don't know what it is about people. I suppose more so people outside of racing, but they actually think you know the result. That you know what's going to happen, mm-hmm. and I could never figure it out. Like if I knew what was going to happen, do you think I'd have to go out and write it? There's no way I would. Mm. You don't know what's going to happen. So all you can do is give your opinion. And, you know, I can't be certain about what's going to happen. But I have met several people who just think that if they know you well enough, you're going to give them the nod for the one. Mm. That one doesn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) If it did exist, I wouldn't be a jockey. I wince every time I see or hear you falling off a horse, um, especially around the, the February, March time. I mean, there's never a good time to fall off a horse. Do you get 5% more careful? Do jockeys get 5% more? It's like training the week or two before an All-Ireland final. Do you get a little bit more careful at your Thurlises and your Clan Mills the week or two before the festival? Oh, I do. Um, I have done, and I've been made to, actually, by, by Willie Mullins for a number of years. Um, I haven't ridden the last eight, 10 days in the Cheltenham. Pre-Cheltenham, you mean? Pre-Cheltenham, since I came back from England. Uh, Willie just hasn't let me ride. Like, basically keeping his top striker in cold... Just, st- no, you, you're not riding. Really? Yeah. And, and that's do you argue that, or do you just say, okay? No, there's two ways of looking at it. Yeah, ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm self-employed. So if I do argue it, I'm fully entitled to it. But if I argue it and it goes wrong, it's not one you have a comeback on. No. You know, so... That's a one-time argument. It's a one-time argument, yeah. yeah. So yeah. You, you, you look at it, you think, well... I think I might just listen to him this time. Mm. I'll just do what I'm told for these 10 days. Um, yeah, look, it's worked out in the past. Um, you never get the fear, Rube, that it's kind of like, 
well, will I lose that 1% of edge by not being in action? No, I think um, I'm a huge fan of other sports and you look at um, different players in different spheres. I suppose rugby players more so than than anybody else. Um, you watch rugby players and how they're spared and minded. All right, the that's on the IRFU contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's been a huge part in the success of the Irish rugby team mm-hmm. and how their players, are, their time is managed, the amount of games they play in the minutes, year is managed. Yeah. Minutes. I think jockeys would be guilty of overriding, of riding too much and not being fresh enough. Not saying no or not, not having to... Not saying no, yeah, yeah because it's, you can't say no because if you say no, he must be afraid. You know, Or they'll go to some other jockey, well, of course. Well, they won't, but you have but to be brave enough to let somebody go at times. But I think you may, we may have overridden. I think GAA players are in the same boat. Mm. Definitely at underage level, are guilty of playing for every team they can get a kick for and overplaying and playing themselves out before they even start. Um, I think we definitely can all be guilty of overriding. And jockeys are one of those. So 10 days out definitely freshens you up, makes you better, I think. You... Are watching the two girls growing up. What age are the two girls now? Which two? The older two or the younger two? Uh, no, the older two I'm talking about. Uh, Isabel is nine and Elsa will be eight in April. And genuinely, I mean, all jokes aside, you said you are, you're 40 in May. I mean, you know, even at the amount of times you keep bouncing back, you're not indestructible. At some point... I'm nearly bionic though. Well, at this stage, you have enough of it. I've seen the graphics. <laughs> at this stage... Do you look on every Cheltenham as, okay, this might be a swan song? I suppose I have looked upon every season for the last seven or eight that, you know, if something goes wrong, this could be the last one. But um, I don't, I'm not heading to Cheltenham thinking this will be the last time I do this. Um, I don't think that, I don't know. I don't know what it is about retirement. I guess I always felt someday it'll just dawn on me that I've had enough of this mm. um, I don't have those emotions or feeling that feelings at the moment um, but I, I'm sure I will at some stage just think you know what I can't face that anymore. And but you'd like it to be on your own terms as well that's, that's big is there isn't any it? sports person who doesn't well I'm talking about you getting a really bad injury yeah but that'd be the same I don't think there's any sports person who doesn't want it to be on their own terms. Mm. Of course I'd like it to be on my own terms before I get sacked or before I get hurt. Mm. Of course you'd like it to be on your terms. Um, but I think if you can keep performing at the right, at the highest levels, with a bit of luck, it would be on your own terms. Mm. And, you know, this season, I haven't, you know, I suppose numerically had as many rides as I've had in the past, but in terms of big winners, I think I've ridden as many, if not more, graded winners than I have in the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I remember... Our our mutual buddy Ron Nogara talking lately about that European Cup semi-final where they lost to Claremont and he actually making that decision after the final whistle. He said that up to the final whistle, same as what you're saying, he was only thinking of getting to a Heineken Cup final and it was only then that the thought process changes. So is that something, as you say, that you look at that thing and you say, yeah, I'll know when I know. Yeah, I think that's it. I think you know when you know it most things in life. Hmm. Uh, you know when when to do something, when not to do something. I'm assuming it'll be the same for that, that, you know, someday it'll dawn on me that, no, I've had enough of this. And that's the way I was when I when I decided that I, d- I didn't want to be commuting between Ireland and England. It hmm. just, it dawned on me at the end of the year when I'd gone back to Ireland and had had two or three weeks away from going to England. And I was thinking already, thinking about October, thinking I can't face that commute again. Hmm. You know, so I'm assuming when they've had enough of riding that it'll be the same thought process. 
romantically Faheen. I was going to say romantically Faheen has given you some great moments, but I think I better rephrase that <sighs> sentence. Just in terms of the romantic side of racing, Faheen has, has, has obviously, you know, I mean, we all wonder now, again, is it one Cheltenham too far? Yeah, I suppose if, if I was going to Cheltenham and looking for a fairy tale, it would involve Faheen and Undersaw. Mm. Um, you know, either or winning would be, would be fairy taleish. Uh, but that said, both have great chances. They're both in good form. Faheen runs in the stairs, on the soul, probably running the Ryanair. Um, they're both in great order. Yeah, I think they've been great horses to have been associated with. And if either of them could go and win at another Shetland Festival, mm. yeah, I'd get a good kick out of that. Can you explain to me, Ruby, um, or to just our, our, our listeners, the difference in personality between horses? I mean... Undeso, if I if it was a human, I would say like battle hardened, keeps going, defiant. Like, do, do you actually almost attribute yeah, personality he, traits he's a, to horses? He's a bit more than that, in a battle hardened, defiant. In racing terms, he'd be more of a slogger. Uh, Undeso is hyper. He's always on the go. Like Undeso would, I imagine, if he was a human and had a big day tomorrow, he wouldn't sleep a wink. You know what I mean? Like, and be going to the party and be burnt out at three o'clock in the afternoon. He's that kind of a fella. He's just always on on the edge, always wanting to do everything he possibly can, but always on the edge, almost giving too much. Um, Faheen is much more relaxed character, very calculated. Mm. He's you know he's he's himself. Um, but every horse is a different character, and humans are or not humans. Horses are are routine animals, and once you keep them happy and keep them in their routines they tend to want to do the same thing all the time mm. finally I'll just bring you back to the weigh room I'm, fi- I'm, I'm fascinated about the whole dynamic must get your seat in the weigh room sometimes well I'd love put I, you in the corner do you miss McCoy in there I do but more so than just AP I mean a lot of the lads I would have started with are retired I am like if Noel Feely and Dickie Johnson but you kind of were always grouped in the weigh room with what company you use valet wise and the valets would have sections in the weigh room so a lot of the guys that I rode with that were older than me are all gone out the door. So I had Barry Garrity and Puppy Power. And then there's a big gap back to the next couple, next age bracket of lads. Um, so yeah, I, and I do miss riding with AP. I miss riding against AP as well. Mm-hmm. I miss that rivalry. I miss that he set such a standard that you always were pushing yourself to, to take him on and to beat him. And I miss that competition being there. Finally, how do you normalise Cheltenham Week? I know you have the same, you stay in the same cottage every year, which is only near the racetrack, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Like, but in terms of, do you go to the same restaurants every no. night? Do you stay eat at home? No, I wouldn't even have dinner reservations. Um, it'd be kind of whoever would end up in the house at seven o'clock. Who's hungry? Where are we going? Um, you're guaranteed in having a driver in me for the week, so mm. whoever's there, be it, David Casey and his wife Anya um, or James Nash and his wife um, but no they're always welcome with myself and Gillian so Gillian will organise where we're going and I'll do the driving Well you have 56 winners I think so far the next nearest to you is Barry on 34 Okay so I think your legend and your legacy is already secure just want to wish you the very best a safe and healthy week and a successful week in that order Ruby Walsh Thanks for joining us. Cheers, Tony. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 